Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 250 of Weekly Poker Hand. That is, um, goodness, almost five years. Do I look older? Do I look younger? I do not know. So today we have another hand from Stone's Gambling Hall. We are playing 5-5-10, no limit. Is that right? Yeah, 5-5-10. But in this hand, there is a straddle under the gun plus one. So, um, lots and lots of little blinds out there. When you're playing in a game with lots and lots of blinds, the players in position, the button and the cutoff, are in a pretty great situation. That said, you do have to be a little bit more cautious raising the blinds, because in those scenarios, you're raising into three people who have random hands, as opposed to normally on the button, you're raising into two people with random hands. So even though there is more money in the pot, you often need to consider being a little bit tighter on the button because there are more people yet to defend. So if there's a straddle and then like a double straddle or triple straddle, whatever, yes, you're gonna be in position, but often the stack sizes have been diminished because every time someone straddles, it cuts the stacks in half, right? And you have to go through more people. So just keep that in mind. Anyway, in this hand, Basie has nine eight of hearts, and he elects to raise from the cutoff, which I think is perfectly fine, perfectly standard. They're playing, um, looks like about $2,700 deep, so call it 130 big blinds. Small blind is the Wolf. It's a strong name. He only has 1200 bucks. He decides to call, so he only has 60 big blinds. That is important to note. He calls with ace-10 of suited from the small blind. Um, calling's fine. I don't think you need to be three-betting this hand. Calling is certainly reasonable. If you three bet and get action, you're usually not too happy. Um, gets back around to Dan, who straddled, and he's going to call Queen 10 offsuit, which is also perfectly fine. So we have 9 8 suited for the raiser, Ace 10 suited for the caller, and Queen 10 offsuit for the other caller. Flop comes King 5 2, about as dry of a flop as it can come. Both blinds check around, well, the blind and the straddle check around to Basie, who has 9 8 of hearts. Now, on these very uncoordinated boards, you probably should just be taking a stab with any hand that has any potential at all, even when you're playing against two opponents. It's somewhat unlikely for both people to have missed in these scenarios, so usually someone's going to have something, but often that something is going to be bottom pair or middle pair or pocket sevens, right? On king five two, that's not really a great hand. And for that reason, I do think you probably should bet any hand that has either a decent amount of value or a hand that obviously can't win at the showdown that has some backdoor equity. Now, does 9-8 of hearts have backdoor equity on king 5-2 with one heart? A little bit. <laughs> Not a lot, but a little bit. So I think you do want to bet. And in this spot, you don't want to bet so big um, because you want to be betting with most of your range. As you're betting with more of your range, you typically want to use a smaller sizing. So in this scenario, pot's 290 bucks. Let's see how much he bets. He does make a small bet of $105, it looks like. That is correct. And now it's on the wolf with ace 10 of diamonds. So he has an overcard, a backdoor straight draw, and a backdoor flush draw. There's a diamond on the board. So do you call this tiny bet with ace 10 of diamonds? It's kind of nasty, right? You're going to be out of position throughout the rest of the hand. It's going to be relatively tough for you to continue on lots of turns when you don't improve. That said, when the board is this incredibly dry, I don't actually hate calling, especially if we know Basie is opening with more than just the nuts and will continuation bet, even into two players on a dry board, which, you know, most good players will. So 
I do think the wolf needs to stick around here. The question is, should he raise or call? And I think calling's fine. Understanding this is going to be one of those hands you're going to call the flop with and then just check fold a lot on the turn. Um, it is fine to check fold out a decent chunk of your range by the river in these scenarios, especially if your opponent is betting into multiple people. So you can check call here with like any pair, back, ace high with backdoor draws, um, check call the turn with like all pairs worse than a king, and then just check call the river with kings. And that might be a little bit nitty, but probably still fine. And it's going to be difficult to exploit. So the wolf does call, which I think is fine. And then Dan folds out queen 10, obviously. Turn is the four of diamonds, which is a great card for the wolf because now he has a gut shot, a bad gut shot, but also the nut flush draw. So he checks, which is definitely good. This board, or this turn, certainly does not favor the wolf in general because the wolf probably just has mostly big cards given he called small blind. And now, does Bazy bet again? He has legitimately, legitimately nothing. <laughs> it's certainly fine to give up when you bet with some junky backdoor draws and then just get nothing. Like, notice here, he could have gotten a heart or a seven or a six. All of those are cards he should definitely keep betting on. And you may say, well, if he gets a seven or a six, it's only a gut shot. But a gut shot's decent enough, right? And in this scenario, if you have a nine or an eight on the turn, you could also consider value betting that if you use a small size. So in this scenario, I think you just need to give up. Notice if he had nine, eight of diamonds instead, when the four of diamonds comes, he would certainly keep betting. But whenever you do bet the flop with backdoor draws... Especially when the small blinds range should be mostly, or should contain a lot of kings. You have to be very cautious. All right, river is the seven of clubs. It goes check, check on the turn. So he did decide to give up with the nine, eight. And I think that's fine. And on the river, the wolf like instantly bets out. He bets, looks like a small bet, $105 into the $500 pot. Huh. So... When he does this, what does his range look like? It's most likely a marginal made hand. Whenever people use very small sizings like this, it's almost always either a king or a hand like pocket eights or a five or somehow a seven. There probably aren't very many sevens though. So the question is, can you raise him off of this? In this scenario, the pot is $605 and he only has, I believe, 900 left or maybe 800 left. I actually don't hate an all-in. Now, you're certainly not representing very many nut hands in this scenario by jamming all-in, but this is a spot where very often the wolf's range is going to be pretty marginal. We see here, like, I wouldn't even expect ace-10 to bluff. I think that ace-10 is just going to win a lot of the showdown, so I don't think it needs to use a small bet size here. I think a small bet size is better reserved for hand like a five in this scenario, and some kings, of course. Um, but I think you can bet tiny with a lot of fives in this spot. Um, from a game theory optimal point of view, Whenever the preflop raiser bets and you call out of position, when it goes check, check on the turn, if you have a hand that has about 50% equity, betting tiny is very often a good play. So the question is, is this hand in that range? It's close. So anyway, this play is certainly fine and reasonable as long as he's balanced by having some nut hands in his range that can call a big shove. But I don't think most people's ranges are balanced in this scenario. I think if he had two pair or a set or a straight somehow, he'd probably bet way bigger, right? And if that is the case, that means his small betting range is almost entirely marginal stuff. And most people, if you jam it all in on them, they are going to find a fold. So is 9-8 a good hand to go for a big bluff? And I honestly do not know. What, what are some good cards you want to have? Well, you want to be blocking a straight, which would be nice. It'd also be nice to have a junky pair. But really, if you have a junky pair here, you could probably just call. 
So I think you want to be blocking the random nut hands, but again, it's pretty hard for me to have a random nut hand. So the nuts here are 8-6 and what else? 6-3. Ace-6 and 6-3 and Ace-3. So you'd rather have a 3 in your hand or an 8. We do have an 8. So should we go for it? I don't know. I don't think I typically go for it in these spots, but in these scenarios, don't think like mindlessly, okay, I just have 9-8, I have to fold. Very often in this scenario, if you jam, you're gonna steal this pot a lot. And a lot could be like 80% of the time, maybe 90% of the time. And if you can jam it here, yes, I understand it's a big bet. I understand you quote unquote look dumb when it fails, but especially if you have a relatively snug image and your opponents are not going to assume you're just running an insane bluff, I think it is certainly reasonable to at least consider. In this scenario though, Basie just falls, we move on with our lives, nothing to see here. And I think that's what a lot of people are probably going to say in the comments. They're going to say, oh, this is simple hand. I mean, why, why are you even showing us this hand? And it's because these are the spots where a lot of the good players pick up these pots, where many other players just fold and forget about it. And while I'm not going to say this is definitely a spot to make a jam in this, in this scenario, it's at least a viable strategy. If I was making a quiz for PokerCoaching.com on that river, given the sack sizes, given that really tiny river bet that's very indicative of a marginal made hand in these games. I don't think jamming is that bad. I'd probably give folding something like um, 10 points, 10 out of 10, and jamming all in like nine out of 10. And I think a lot of people would assume the jam would be way worse. Um, speaking of pokercoaching.com, that is my training site. You can go there and get a completely free one week trial. One week trial? Yeah, one week trial. <laughs> well, um, now you do not have to enter your credit card or anything like that. Go there, experience the site, go through the homework challenges, and learn to think about hand ranges. And we're gonna teach you how to pick like which hands to bluff in that scenario, right? Why do you wanna have an eight or a six or a three? Also, we're gonna discuss how often that bluff needs to succeed, right? We will make sure that you know all of that and you will learn it in the homework challenges over at pokercoaching.com. So go check it out, it's completely free. You have no reason not to. Thanks for watching. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Weekly Poker Hand. If you did, tell your friends, click like, click subscribe, leave a review, whatever you can do, it is appreciated. Good luck in your games, and I'll talk to you next week.